When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I think my fondest memory is at the Bicentennial in 1976. We were having a, I think we were having a barbecue in one of our friend's backyards in the city. And that's all they were playing was the Born to Run album, basically, at that time. And you can hear Baby I Was Born to Run, and that just got into your head, and you wanted to play it, and you, you want that story to go. And so I think that's what resonated for me. That's my earliest memory, I believe, probably around 76, 77 time period of when Bruce was actually really injected into us where I can remember and actually appreciate them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, uh, recovering from our 1,000th episode week, um, kind of starting on episode, going toward March to 2000. Uh, so joining me tonight is a new friend, Rich. Rich, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Jesse. It's great to be on the Set Lust and Bruce uh, uh, podcast. This is amazing to be invited to this. I don't think you knew when you invited me. I was from New Jersey, so uh, I appreciate you doing that and uh, having me on here. Yeah, it. No, I didn't. Um, it's always a very lovely surprise um, when I get someone and you know, kind of pulling the curtain back. We're both part of a a group where podcast help host you know pitch to each other like hey i'm looking to be uh, a guest or i'm looking for um to be a guest or to have guests and so i pitch to anyone that i find interesting i go hey i do a music podcast if you want to join me it doesn't have to be about bruce and uh, i love that you went nope Bruce is my guy. We can talk about that, among other things. So uh, let's kick it off. Tell us a little about yourself. Oh, definitely. I was uh, born and raised in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, both hardworking uh, people, grown uh, born, in, born in the 1940s and raised in New Jersey. Uh, tough inner city, uh, we, uh, man and woman, I guess. And uh, dad joined the Army, came home. Him and my mom lived a block away from each other, never talked to each other, didn't like each other because they were greasers or posh or whatever. However you want to look at it, they were, they, they were the stereotypes at that time. So they didn't talk to each other. But when they finally met, they started the family. And uh, in 1962, uh, they started the family. My brother and sister were born in, uh, eight years later, or six, eight years later. The better two were born, my brother and me. I was born in 1970 and uh, grew up in Jersey in a railroad apartment. I don't know if you know what that is. It's Every room is attached just by the room. There's no hallway. So it goes living room, bedroom, bedroom, bedroom. And uh, me and my two brothers lived in that end bedroom. And, and you know what happens when... And three boys live in a room together, chaos ensues, and you learn to be tough where you uh, lead out and uh, you have to cry to mom and dad all the time. So we learned the value of hard work from mom and dad. We learned the value of our country, faith, family, and uh, music. Uh, that's what kind of resonated with me with a lot of the questions for your show here. Uh, mom and dad loved music. They would dance all the time. Uh, 50s music was their big thing. Uh, and then Neil Diamond, of course. Uh, mom and dad loved Neil Diamond. 
They went to his concert whenever he came came to New Jersey, the greater uh, metropolitan area in New Jersey there. They'd go to his concerts and we'd listen to it. Uh, when mom passed a few years ago, everyone sang Sweet Caroline for her. So that was her favorite dude. That was the favorite song. And every time we hear it now, it kind of brings those chills back to you. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, no, I love that story. That's great. Um, yeah, in Louisiana, we call them shotgun shacks, right? Yeah, okay. Because you could yeah. open the front door, open the back door, shoot a shotgun through, and you wouldn't hit anything. Uh, yes, um, we, the, uh, ours is a double shotgun. My, in fact, my mom's house is still there. If you open up the front door, you can walk straight through to the back porch, and then there is bedroom, bath, bedroom, you know, just right that way. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I love that the Neil Diamond story is amazing. I, I, you know, that's always my first question going back to the beginning. So you, music was everywhere when you were a kid, right? Like they loved music all kinds of music. How about your siblings and you? Did you guys rebel against their music or did you embrace it? And then you got older, <clears throat> you increased your, you know, grasp and explored other kinds of music. I think we all kind of embraced what they were putting down. We 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 picked up what they were putting down. Uh, Dad also liked the Oak Ridge Boys. And we'd go upstate New York and he'd be jamming Elvira and we, we'd all jam with them. Uh, one of my favorite songs as a kid was Duke of Earl. Uh, an old old classic song, and uh, when I became a DJ in nineteen eighty nine to ninety two ish, right before I went in the army, I was DJing at parties and clubs, and I had that forty five Duke of Earl, and I threw it into every party just because I thought it was a cool song, and I wanted everyone to enjoy that song. But my brother, my oldest brother, is a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. He he can tell you every every move Bruce Springsteen's ever made, because he was more in that age group. He was a it was like I said, sixty two. He was born. Bruce became uh, blew up in popularity with 74-ish, 75-ish, and then with uh, Born to Run, then uh, Born in the USA was his next uh, cultural uh, revolution after that. But but he was also an, an icon for my brother's age group more than anything. So we also listened to what my brother listened to. So we always had music around us, and we all embraced all the music. I want to say in the 80s, you know, we all listened to some some bad music in the 80s, but there's also some good music in the 80s, and we all evolved from there as well. Uh, one of the themes that I see in this show is siblings, um, that often if you're the oldest sibling, you influence your younger siblings either on a positive or negative side sometimes, you know, and then if you're the younger sibling, your older sibling, and sometimes your older sibling will be into rock, and so the younger sibling will embrace, you know, punk or jazz or something, you know, just because I don't want to be in others. It is truly that um, Cameron Crowe scene on Almost Famous where she, you know, she gives all those albums to the young character and he's going through them. It That happens a lot. So I get you. Um, I'm more closer to your brother's age. I was born in 59. So he's just a couple of years younger than I am. Uh, but yeah, that is th that, and especially growing up there in Jersey, that seventies, you know, it's in the water, that Springsteen, right? 78, 74 to 78. It was everywhere out there. Um, I always like to go and you, you've kind of answered this a little bit, Rich, but can you remember when you first discovered Bruce and and if it if it is what about him spoke to you I think it was uh his ability to storytell in a song he can storytell in every song and I, I think my fondest memory is at the bicentennial in 1976 we were having a I think we were having a barbecue in one of our friends backyards in the city and that's all they were playing was the born to run album basically at that time and you can hear baby I was born to run and that just got into your head and you wanted to play it and you, you want that story to go. And so I think that's what resonated for me. That's my earliest memory, I believe, probably around 76, 77 time period of when Bruce was actually really injected into us where I can remember and actually 
appreciate them. Now, you said your older brother was a little bit more of the fan, as yeah. I'm using air quotes. How about you? What what musician became your musician? Who spoke to you? Who did who did you embrace? Uh, I guess growing up uh, in high school, I was uh, kind of into the hip hop scene a lot. So Beastie Boys, Run DMC, LL Cool J. But then when I went in the army, and finally when I went to war, uh, starting in uh, 2001. I embraced Alice in Chains, and Alice in Chains was probably my favorite band for a long time. Before I went on every patrol, I'd play Rooster because just because of what it, the the verbiage in the, the lyrics of the song, hey, they come to get the rooster. They, they still can't get the rooster. So I, I made myself the rooster for every patrol, so they couldn't get me in my head. And it also goes back to uh, Born in USA by Bruce Springsteen. Both those songs kind of mirror each other, and they have kind of the same story. Uh Wife and kids, machine gun nest, they haven't killed me yet. And then born USA, he's talking uh, uh, the Viet, my brother went off to fight the Viet Cong. They're still there. He's all gone. So it's both talk about the same uh, era of uh, war there. So you, you see the blending and they also uh, sampled from him. But they were most of my influence through my military career in Soundgarden. I got to sit and uh, drink with Chris Cornell in 2017. Just before he passed away, two weeks before he died, I drank with him, mm. and I went to uh, his show there in Atlanta. He got he gave us backstage tickets, uh, backstage passes, so we hung out with him all night the night before the show, the night of the show, and then two weeks later he passed. So the kind of the I guess the the grunge era is what kind of really picked me up through my military career. How did you connect with Chris, and how did that experience happen? Also, a very funny story. Uh, we were I was there for work in Atlanta for what we call like a. I guess an annual get together of all employees. Uh, and we went to this Irish bar. It was outside the hotel. We're sitting there. We're just drinking, having a couple of beers. There was a guy sitting there next to us. And my boss was sitting with me. He said, this guy's from New Jersey too. You two should hit it off. Say, Hey brother, what's going on? So what are you doing here? You're from New Jersey. I'm a roadie for this band. I said, well, what band? And he said, Soundgarden. So they broke up in 1987 or 97. They broke up. He's no, they're together. It's no, they're not. So he starts texting on his phone. And he was telling them to come to us. So the whole band came in and the bar locked the doors. And we sat there and we drank with them until like three or four in the morning. We went to work the next day. And they gave us the free passes to the show. It was a great night, great show. And hung out backstage with us. So that's my great fond memory of that band and how, how open they were to us. It must have been chilling when you heard about him passing then. Oh, yes. It was like a mic drop moment right there. Yeah, it's not something you thought. I didn't just talking to him. That's not something I've seen in him. But again, I wasn't, I guess, in his inner circle. I yeah. might not have seen signs and stuff like that. He, the not anywhere close to, but um, last year, uh, the the monkeys that was left, Michael Nesmith, and uh, why am I drawing a blank on? Um, the other one, uh, Mickey Dolenz, were here in Dallas, and I went to see the show. I had I had bought tickets before the pandemic, and so they were making up the show, and and it was a fun show. I mean, it was great, but you could see Michael Nesmith was walking with a cane. He had a stool that he was sitting on when he wasn't singing, right? Um, and and it was like within less than two months later he passed and it was it was eerie to to see him and do that so i could only imagine that you just even getting to spend that few you know hours with them very very uh touching hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Um, why'd you join the military, Rich? Uh, also, because my dad... Uh... My dad was in the army, fifty-eight to sixty-two. He served at the same time as Elvis with Elvis in Germany. Ah, my grandfather was in World War II. My brother served in the Navy, and I guess when I was, you know, in, in the early seventies, the you had the Vietnam War ending, and you had the, like the Yom Kippur War and stuff like that in Egypt. That was uh, in Israel. I'm sorry, that was on TV. So I I remember watching military stuff on TV and always telling my dad I'm going to join the army. I went. That was my whole goal in life was to go in the military. I got through my sophomore year in high school into junior year. I asked my dad to go to the recruiter with me because I was a year ahead of my peers. So he would have to sign the papers. And he said, you know, you're, you're going to college. I said, whoa. I said, I have not taken a class to go to college yet. So he said, okay, you, you can fix that. So my whole senior year, instead of hanging out and doing all the cushy classes, maybe being off by noon, I was taking two two maths and three sciences with all the underclassmen. Wow. studying the whole year. I took the SATs. I got into college in New York. I went there for a year, transferred back to New Jersey to St. Peter's College, played football for two years, and then finally said, no, this is it. I got to go in the Army. So I went active duty and served for 22 years. My dad was in the military as well. Um, he um, told the story very much, got in a little hometown jam. He, he did not talk about this till. Uh, my son was born and my son had reached about, you know, 14 or 15 and had to interview a veteran. And so he interviewed my dad and, you know, my dad talked about, he says, yeah, I, the judge said, you can go to jail. You can join the army. (laughs) He said, so I joined the army. Um, my, my dad does tell stories that, um, he, he was in Germany around the same time as Elvis. And to hear him tell it, he ran into Elvis on guard duty and gave him crap because he was trying to sleep. So uh, whether it was true or not, it's lore in our family, right? It, you know. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, and my dad retired too. It, it, he, uh, he, he served, he was uh, in the uh, armored division. Um, so uh, very nice. It is... Um, it and it you know it it has become almost and I don't want to say cliche but it's almost like when someone says sneezes they say bless you and now then oh, I was in the service oh thank you for your service you know it it and and I always feel not that it it shouldn't be said it just seems at times sometimes it's almost just out of reflex yes um and. And I, I'd love to talk to you a little more about that, and then we'll get to something fun. But I remember talking to my mom 
and I asked her, I said, hey, that that Lifetime show Army Wives, have you watched it, Mom? She goes, no, I lived it. And I mean, she was serious. I mean, it there was too much pain and in in the stress of trying to raise kids without dad. Uh, my father, my one of my best friends, <laughs> jokes like he subbed in a submarine a couple of ter- uh couple of tours, and he's like, "Yeah, I can't watch a submarine movie because all I see is that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong." So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously 22 years was is a long time you made a career out of it why did you decide to to make it a career uh, I, I had fun uh, I always tell people it was like a, doing a kid's job for 22 years because what did we do when we were the kids we played army where we right. played cops and robbers we played a uh, soldier we did this yeah and being in the army yeah you have hard days and hard and you do some stupid things and have to do some bad details but you meet some of the greatest people you're ever going to meet in your life. You meet your closest brothers and sisters. And then uh first half of my career was kind of peacetime. It was after Desert Storm up until 9-11. So you say that's my first half. And 9-11 happened. I was already in Kuwait when uh, the Twin Towers got attacked. So I was forward deployed when this happened. So we went from peacetime to war with a flip of the switch, basically. So you go from having basically five rounds per person to having a full combat load. And no one batted an eye. You, you talk about people, you hear people talk about being unpatriotic. I do this. And most of the people that say I'm patriotic have never done anything for their community or anything like that. They just do things to say it. But these the uh, men and women I served with it on 9-11 and beyond were true patriots. And they could have, many of them could have got out and they didn't get out and they stayed in and served multiple tours. I lost many friends during that the next uh, half of my career because of the war, obviously. And uh, it showed me if I stayed in with them, we all stayed together as a family. And I made a goal to stay until my daughter graduated high school. So I retired June 30th of 2015. She graduated high school May 20 something of 2015. Mm -hmm. So we both did, we both hit that goal. That goal at the same time, we had a big party, graduation retirement party. And then uh, we moved on to bigger and better things after that. But it was, the I guess, 22 years of my life, which I got to act as a kid for 22 years and have a great time and meet a lot of amazing people. The um, What was your role in the military? What uh, My job was a yeah. chemical operations specialist, so weapons of mass destruction. Okay. Our job was to train soldiers to defend against it and uh, make sure they stayed safe throughout. Uh, if, they, if in the event of chemical weapons were used, against them, they would be able to survive and fight the, the enemy on the other side of it. Uh, most times I was not doing that job. I was doing more of a, I guess, personal security, quick reaction force, or kind of infantry roles of going out there as zombie patrols and stuff like that. My father told the story that um, he had been, um, he was stationed in Fort Knox and um and had done he was instructor he did map reading he did uh compass reading he did a lot of different work and um after a few beers he told the story that he um there was a bunch of him they were all instructors and they kept the commander you know kept moving things around so that they wouldn't go serve in Vietnam. They were there because his thought was they're doing a better job of teaching these young guys how to go serve in Vietnam versus, you know, having them as a teacher. And finally it reached the point where, no, they've got to go. And because I asked that, I said, were you treated poorly coming back after Vietnam? And he said, not because we all went together. He said there was a group of his buddies that all had – they were friends. They knew each other. They had been instructors together. They were deployed together. They served together. They came home together. He said so there was no someone just coming up to because there was always a group of us. Um, I do think one of the good things that came out of this is it does seem like there is now – after Vietnam, 
there is a distance between being unhappy with the political situation, yet not being unhappy with the people who are serving. And, and give me a little thoughts on that. I agree 100%. Uh, and I always thank uh, your, like your, my dad and your dad's generation for what they put up with in the military. Yeah. And not just in the military, when they got out, when the, they came yeah. home and they saw baby killers and spit on and yeah. get at your murderer and stuff like that. And of course, the VA kind of let them down as well. Yeah, because many of them came home from Vietnam after being exposed to things there, and we're told nothing's wrong with you. That's not service connected, and that generation in their head was okay. I'm just going to go to work and take care of my family, and it didn't help them because when this uh when the 22 a day thing came up with the suicides for veterans when it first started in 2007, 16, 17 when they started keeping that count and, and broadcasting that 22 a day, 22 mm-hmm. a day. The number of those veterans were from Vietnam. Most of them were Vietnam veterans that were killing themselves. It wasn't this generation. No. And now it's because there's as so many of them were passed, it's got moved on. But we were able to go to war and have, I mean, there's probably I'd say hundreds or even thousands of, of veteran uh, nonprofits now that are out yeah. there that say they're gonna help you. Many do great things, and of course, there's always a nonprofit that's not doing great things, they're doing things for themselves, but you know, most veterans can weed them out and the older veterans really will point them out and say, hey, don't, you don't need to do that stuff. That's that's dumb. Don't do that. And that's yeah. where we our institutional knowledge from our dad's generation. And then the gap between was basically peacetime army and peacetime military and then us. And for 20 years, you have basically two generations of soldiers for 20 years. There's guys that were serving at the end of their career with their kid in combat. Mm-hmm. So that's not something you would have seen back then and not something you wanted to see back then. But that was the, the pride of that son or daughter to come in and say, I'm going to serve with my dad. We're both probably going to wind up deployed because I'm joining the military during war. Yeah. I know there's that chances there. And I think that's the main divide there, that now it's more of an accepted thing. Like you said, the, the political and military divide is there where you can stand on the corner and hold the flag and say, Go army and the other side of the street. There's someone saying, "I hate the military because they do this," or "I hate the war because they're they, we shouldn't be there." But then they'll still come over and shake that dude's hand for loving the army. Yeah, it's, it's totally different aspects. Yeah. Um. So what did you after now that you've decided now that you were going to quit playing, and you uh you got out? What was your what became your new day gig? Well, for 365 days, I had this uh, decompression thing where I did nothing. I, I applied for jobs. I wasn't getting any bites, so I sat home with my dogs and drank beer and told my wife finally got tired of me being home and said, you got to get a job. And I got picked up for a job my first two years. Uh, so uh, year two and three out of the military, I was uh, advised or mentoring veterans as they went through a, trans- a six-month fellowship to go back to their communities and basically blend back into the community as they transition from military into the civilian world with the mission continues. And then uh, at the end of my two years there, uh, my former first sergeant called me up and said, you want a job with me? I said, heck yeah, because it brings me back to Clarksville. And I started training soldiers here. So since 2018, I've been training soldiers here on Fort Campbell. Okay, what are you training? Uh, emerging threats, uh, teach them. Right now, I basically teach them how to identify, detect uh, unmanned aircraft systems, small ones, and how to do what they can to survive them now. Yeah, you mentioned right before we hit record, you said it had been a hot day uh, chasing drones. And I said, what? And so you talked about that. That's that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's get back to entertainment. You, I love the idea that Alice in Chains was there for you, uh, that rooster. Once you became a veteran and you're in civilian did your music change did your style did you take on a new uh favorite band uh it did change the quite the quite literally uh like a 180 uh country music now uh, garth brooks probably is the closest thing to bruce springsteen i've, I've seen live yeah he's a hundred percent entertainer and then garth brooks also hundred percent entertainer great shows both of them seen them both live and I I put them on the same parallel with each other. So Garth Brooks is a great one, but uh, I think my favorite uh, country artist right now is probably Luke Combs or, and or Lainey Wilson. Yeah. I, um, I grew up in country music. My, my parents, as I said, I, my dad was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana. When we met my uh, mom 
Um, we, I grew up, I, I've told this story often, Rich, on the podcast, and um, I was 10, maybe 9 or 10. It was in the late 60s, and my cousins in Ohio could not believe I could not name all four Beatles. I mean, we we didn't listen to the Beatles in my house, you know. Oh. <laughs> uh, so now I damn sure could name every Johnny Cash song and, and Merle Haggard and Charlie Pride. Uh, and um, did you watch uh, Ken Burns' uh, country music documentary from a few years ago? I have not seen that one. No, I've seen. You should. Yeah, yeah. I, I. What did you think of the Garth Brooks documentary that just came out? It was pretty good. I liked it. I did too. I thought it was very honest. I just had someone on the podcast who is a massive uh, Garth fan, and we were sharing and talking about it. Um, you know, I he gets a little bit of crap of being almost overly sincere, but yeah. I I buy it. I I think I think I think everyone acts a little bit when you're you know being interviewed but I, I honestly believe that you know he's he's a guy that loves music and and loves performing and gets a joy out of it oh he definitely does and the, when he was able to take that break to go back to his family and yeah. try to be there for his daughters that that showed the kind of man he is right there and uh he's on my show the misfit nation we always say uh be humble stay hungry and keep hustling that's yeah. tim right there humble He's hungry, but he, and he keeps hustling. I mean, he he told him not to make him the entertainer of the year, even though he would have got voted for it every year because yeah. someone else needs it. He doesn't need it. He was right he it anymore. Uh, Tim yeah. McGraw talks about being humble and kind, and I think he was talking about Garth Brooks at the same time. Both of them are great entertainers, and they both give back to their communities one hundred percent. I absolutely agree. So let's talk about your podcast. What uh, what do you do? And uh, share me a little bit. Uh, so the Misfit Nation podcast started off as a I had about eight hours left in my week that wasn't assigned to anything. I just finished my master's at Georgetown. I was about to start my doctorate at Liberty. Uh, this was in 2020. So 2021 is when it started. So right in the pandemic, of course, I had to think of many things to do during my time. So I called a couple of my soldiers and said, look, is it all right if I use their old platoon name, the Misfits? And they said, yeah, yeah, do that. I said, I want to bring veterans on to get stories off their chest so we have them around longer to get that, be able to breathe. So my first few episodes was my former soldiers and other veterans coming on telling their stories. And, and then they said, hey, we need other help. I mean, this is great. You're doing great things. But how about we learn how to start a business? How about we learn how to write books? How do we learn how to get to Hollywood, get in the music industry? That's all right. So I started reaching out through like Podmatch and such like that. And I wound up getting all these experts to come on and chat with them. And then I'll bring veterans in for like Veterans Day week or Memorial Weekend. Or whenever one of them calls me and say, I want to come on and talk about something. You got it. You come right on. You come on, we'll do a live show. So now I do three live shows a week, uh, Sunday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. And it's on all my socials, and it's on About Face Radio live on the Internet. So I, I just had a show tonight with uh, Shanna Francesca. She's a life design coach, and uh, she, she was amazing to talk to. And like you, uh, congratulations on a thousand episodes. That's amazing. I guess uh, I'm above the uh, thousand and one, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm a this week I'll release 260, and I think that's pretty good for just under three years. So, uh, meeting a lot of great people and doing a lot of great things, I think. I, I think, I get pushback when I talk to someone about being on the podcast for me, and they'll say, "No one cares about my story. I don't have a unique story," and I push back that I go, "I believe." Every Bruce fan has a story. I, I, you know, and and I mean that in broader terms. I think everyone has a story to share. I think we each have unique journeys, and we each have unique insights. And by sharing, um, this is not school. <laughs> it's not cheating to learn from someone else, right? So if if I can share a story that makes you not misstep, make something you do a little bit easier, make you feel a little bit better about maybe a stumble you've had, you know, 
then this is all worth it. Um, and I love the idea that that's what you're doing. You are giving people a chance to share for healing because I do think telling your story is, you know, I, I'm not a big Dr. Phil fan, but there, every once in a while, his statement, monsters live in the dark, I think has a lot of a lot of truth to it. It's when we don't talk about things, when we don't address it, that's when it grows to us. And giving that opportunity, I think, is something very admirable and and something that you you should you and your team should be proud of. Yeah, I, every day I, I wake up and I know I'm blessed that I'm able to do this. And uh, I'm able to, like I said, meet so many amazing people and listen to their stories. And sometimes I'm just in awe when I'm listening to them. They, like you said, many of them think it's just, it's, is this just my story? It means yeah. nothing, but it means a lot. Uh, like Shauna tonight, she talked about her, 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 her early years when bad things were happening to her. And I was just sitting in awe listening to this. And it was just matter of fact coming off. Like it doesn't mean anything, but it does. It's, it's very, when they're vulnerable and they bring out their stories and they're able to talk about it, it really helps the audience, myself, everyone listening can, can gather something from it and garner something from it and move forward in their own, in our own lives and saying, Hey, I know this person was able to get through this much stuff. I can also get through this much stuff as well. After over 250 episodes, is there, is there themes you see? Is there, uh, I know everyone's unique, but is there some general advice that you see that you would share with my audience about what you, how to overcome adversity? Oh, definitely. Uh, Adversity, uh, being resilient and having a positive mindset really help out in with adversity. But if you fall down or if you have a bad day, you walk, you get up in the morning and things just are not going right. And step after step after step and things are going bad. Just stop, pause and think about the good things that are happening. You were able to wake up that morning, right? That's a victory. You stack that big, start stacking victories from the moment you wake up, especially at our age. You know, you, you wake up in the morning, you hear this little snap, crack, a pop and you wake up. Yes, it's still working. Everything is still here. It's working. You get up, you make that bed. Two victories right there. Brush teeth, victory. You might trip over the dog. That might be a, a misstep for somebody, but you got back up. You get back up and keep moving. Anytime that you have a, a I guess, a stepping point or a, a roadblock or a failure in, in your day, don't let it get you down. Note it and move forward. Remember the positives. Don't do what you did to make that thing happen and keep moving forward. And that's that's a theme I get from a lot of my guests as well. You keep that positivity and don't let failure get you get to you. It's, I guess, a mix, repeat and go forward and just keep doing everything to make everything and stack victories every day. You know, Bruce released an album right before the pandemic called Western Stars, which is kind of a collection of more of you know, the it's more of a pop uh Glenn Campbell type album, but one of the out one of the songs, the title track is called Western Stars. And the first lines are I woke up in the morning just glad my boots are on, instead of empty in the whispering grasses down at the five at Forest Lawn. You know, I, I do think sometimes it is, you know, my boots are still on. I'm still here. The the other the other story I had um, that I had forgotten, and I, I was talking to my son, and we came up. I remember probably probably now 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, I was really debating on leaving my current company and going to work for a different company, and I was really just this was an internal conflict. And I talked to one of my mentors and he said, Jesse, you're thinking this is a video game that there's a right answer. And if you pick the right answer, then everything's going to be great. And if you pick the wrong answer, everything's going to be bad. Life isn't that way. You will make a decision. It's not a good decision. It's not necessarily a bad decision. It's a decision. And it may work out in the new company, but regardless, you're going to make friends, you're going to do well, you're going to build experiences, or if you stay with the current company, you know, you're continue. It, it is just a choice, and we don't know 
till we make it, what's going to happen? And that, I always think that brings me a lot of comfort is that this is the, the journey. You, you only know what you're going, you don't know till after the fact, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should. And also it sometimes what you think is a misstep ends up being an actual step forward without you realizing it. Don't you think? Definitely. And like you said, a lot of times you don't even really know in the moment what's going to happen two steps ahead of you. Yeah. So if you're in war, we're always in you know, the military, you're taught to taught to think three moves ahead. So it kind of bleeds over into reality. You got to always think three moves ahead. So if I trip getting out of bed in the morning, what's going to happen three steps from now? Am I going to be able to get my oatmeal and get out of the house to go to work or not? And like you're, you're, you said about a, about a 10 years ago, thinking about moving jobs. That's another theme on my show. A lot of people talk about fear and the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen if I do this? And I, I love that thing about it. Life's not a video game because it's not. It ain't, there's no, I'm not going to respawn in the corner over here and still get sniped by some seven-year-old playing right. Call of Duty. I have to keep moving and I have to keep doing things. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon, how many risks he's taken to keep that thing going. He, he is a risk taker. He's he's not risk averse. Everything he did with Amazon is full of risk, and he always does it still. Yeah. While still trying to take care of his people at the same time. So he always thinks forward with the risk and not worrying about the missteps. You're gonna have you're gonna make mistakes. It life life is not perfect. None of us yeah. are perfect. If you think you are, something's even more wrong with you. But you gotta you gotta keep that humbleness and understand that you will make mistakes and you have to keep moving forward. You know, and I, not to bring it back to Garth, but that's always a good thing, right? Sometimes, you know, you thank God for unanswered prayers, right? That sometimes you don't know what you think is the right decision may not be. And what is, you know, um, one of my favorite Springsteen songs is Better Days. And the idea is that um, life is a journey and while you're waiting for your life to begin, you're it's all slipping away and you've got to just embrace what's happening and enjoy that journey. Um, too many people say, well, once the kid's out of diapers, then it'll be easier. Then we'll <laughs> go on the trip, right? Because, you know, then we want, well, you, you okay. missed out the trip, right? Just, just go, right? What, um, any future plans for the podcast or just to keep doing what you're doing? Um, I'm moving over to something called Heroes Heroes Media Group. So they're going to fall under their umbrella. Oh, and nice. Congratulations. I continue to try to keep growing it and uh, get the reach out there more. So I know that my goal was if with every episode, if I reach one, teach one. So if I help one person on every episode, that's a win for me. If I can do more than that, that's, that's just gravy. And I think that's great. And uh, right now, uh, getting credentials for us so my brother can come with me on if I go along do remotes. That's great too. I have little lapel mics now. I've expanded things. Like this is my I think sixth or seventh mic I've tested in here. This one, this one's great. I like this one. So that that's the evolution of this was starting in my Jeep doing recordings to now having like a mini office studio here. So in the future, I believe I'll I'll just still be doing things doing the same way I do now. I'm probably just going to stay with three lives a week and not do any more recording once. Just do the three lives and and try to just concentrate on those three people, three or those three groups each week to make sure I'm I guess celebrating their victories as well as their their next goals in life. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't, Rich? I don't think so, except maybe like how to get in contact with me. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm going to, I am going to end with that. Um, any final thoughts before I go to the Mary question? I think this is, I, I love your platform. I love that it's about music and, and it's the music because music uh, brings out a lot of people in people and brings people together. No matter what you think about it, it brings people together. No matter who your favorite is, it brings you together. So it I is. It, it, you know, I, I do believe that, um, you know, music is what we celebrate with, that we mourn with. It it is so important to our lives, and um, I I love sharing and talking to people. Uh, so yeah, that's been great. 
Um, I end every podcast with the Mary question. So if you are uh, a normally listening to Rich's podcast and you're over here checking it out, thank you. I appreciate the listen. Um, Jay Armstrong was an honors English teacher. He's recently retired, but when he was teaching, he would, uh, his high school seniors, they would take the Bruce Springsteen song, Thunder Road, would explore the lyrics, talk about the themes, treat it as a poem. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class the question, does Mary get in the car? So Rich, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I believe if you listen to the lyrics of Thunder Road, she's in the car. As the song starts and goes through the lyrics, it goes through the story that back when we got in this car on this ride, we did this and so I say yes, she got in the car and uh, the dress does not wave its ways. All right, there you go. <laughs> I love that. You throw that out. Yes, often people think the merry question is the waves or swaves and they're surprised when it's not. Very good. Have you gotten to see Bruce on this tour? Uh, not on this tour. I mean, I took my wife, I don't forget what year it was. We went to the Brendan Burn Arena in New Jersey. It was probably shortly after we got married or afterward of my career yeah. tour. We went to it and uh, it was a great show, and we both left the show pumped up. I mean, Brendan yeah. Burns, uh, just I think it's just a concert venue now. It mm-hmm. used to be where they had all the sporting events, but it was a great event there. And I seen also seen Great White and White Snake there for my first concert. So nice, <laughs> very good. Well, wonderful, Rich. This is a blast. Any final thoughts you want to share? And then uh, please, yes, tell us how to reach you. Uh, one more final thought. Uh, we talk about passing music on to generations. Uh, when my daughter was growing up, we'd sit in the car and we, me and her would sing songs on whatever song was on the radio. So at her wedding, we had a melody of songs that me and her dance to, and we made up our own choreography. And it went from uh, Umbop, the the Hanson Brothers, sure, Kid Rock's uh, picture, uh, Korean pop music because we were stationed in Korea. She loved Korean pop music, Pink. Uh, jump around house of pain and we had a great just just listen to uh, how we that how many different things we did there and i mean now she she went to a concert last night with my wife uh, ali and aj which i couldn't remember her listening to as a kid but she told me what we did i said that's great that you still have it and you and your mom can go to it i'm not going to that tonight you guys got this but i, I just wanted to share that it it does pass down generation to generation i i love that story that's amazing I think that's a great way to end it. Um, all right. Tell us how to find you, uh, what social media, talk about the podcast again, and how to connect to you. All right. So the best way to get in contact with us is through themisfitnation.com. It's T-H-E-M-I-S-F-I-T-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. One word. Uh, the podcast is the Misfit Nation, the underscore Misfit Nation on uh, Instagram. On TikTok, it's the, the Misfit Nation. Uh, Facebook, The Misfit Nation, or my name, Rich LaMonica, Twitter, Rich LaMonica, LinkedIn, Rich LaMonica. I'm easy to get in contact with. If you want to come on the show, reach out and we'll get you on there. That sounds awesome. I appreciate it so much. Um, I hope you had fun. This was a blast. I, I loved getting to share your story. I think what you're doing is so important. Um, as the son of a veteran and you know, my mom said dad was never the same after Vietnam. She, you know, I was in the third grade when he went. And so I don't really, I I don't have as many strong memories of him post-Vietnam as after Vietnam. But hearing my mom share, she was, it, it was just, it was different after that. And to have the resources of you providing this to our men that's more than just the kind well thank you for your service and don't get me wrong i'm not delittling anyone who says thank you for the service it's a good thing to say but by putting faith about works is dead and you are putting your actions in place to say hey you know men women who did this let's get you Let's get you back where you need to be. Let's let's help you celebrate your successes, helps you fight your challenges and do this together. So good for you, my friend. Thanks, brother. It's been a great chat with you. All right, listeners, uh, go check out the podcast. Go please uh, check out the social media. Uh, but for now, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon.
Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gags. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.